Welcome to uh, another um, series we're going to begin, and this is on Pirkei Avos. Starting with the first Mishnah, Perik Aleph, Mishnah Aleph, Pirkei Avos. And the opening words are Moshe Kibel Torah Misinai. Moshe received the Torah from Sinai. And the Mishnah goes on to tell us about the Misorah, about the uh, chain of transmission that began with Moshe and was passed down father to son, Rebbe to Talmud, teacher to student, all the way until our day. And the Mishnah says, Moshe Kibel Torah Misinai. Moshe received the Torah from Sinai. And he gave over the Misorah, that's a tradition, to Yoshua, who took over as the leader after Moshe passed away. And Yeshua gave it to the Zikanim, the elders, means at the time of the uh, Shoftim and on. And the Zikanim were lived after Yeshua passed away for the next few hundred years. They were the leaders, then it went to the Nevi'im, to the prophets. When Nevi'im, and Nevi'im passed it on to the Anshek Nesagadol, the men of the great assembly. So the Nevi'im, really, you're talking about the time of the first Beis HaMikdash, uh, uh, in the times of when there were kings and there were prophets. And then the Anshek Nesagadol really is the beginning of the second Beis HaMikdash. The Jewish people were led by a group of 120 Chachamim, they're like a congress that all work together. The interesting piece of it is that all 120 of the members of the Anshe Knesset Sakadola all were equal. They had an equal vote, and there was no one person that was considered to be the president or the leader or the king over the Jewish people. Amazing how it's happened, and maybe the first and last time, that you have 120 equal um, leaders. And they also were not replaced one by one as they passed away. There was 119, 118, and the next Mishnah says Shimon Atzadik was the last remaining member of those 120. Um, the Amongat group was a very great people, some people even had Ruach HaKodesh, and, but it was the end of Nevoah, the end of prophecy. We can ask the question, when you mention Pirkei Avos, Pirkei Avos really is a Mesechta, it's a Mishnayis about Midos, about ethics, about good character, how to act, how to conduct ourselves. So why is this Mishnah beginning with a chain of Misorah, about Moshe passing down the Torah? What's irrelevant? Why don't you go straight to talk about the subject of the Mesechta, which is Midos. So the answer that we can give is that everything, everything we do and everything we say and everything, every way we act, all has to come from Misorah, from the Torah, from our what's handed down to us. And that goes for how we keep Shabbos, that goes how we keep Kashros, it goes how we do other mitzvahs, and how we act. Midos and, and our conduct of ourselves must come from a Misorah and be based and grounded in Misorah. If it's not grounded in the Misorah, unfortunately, it it cannot last and also might not even be, it can even go with the wrong. Um, direction. The, the, um, back in Parshas Lech in Vatvayera, Avram says to, um, uh, to Avimelech, Rak in Yerushalokim, There's no Yerushalokim, there's no fear of Hashem in this place. Without a fear of Hashem, coming from Messorah, there could be no Midos. There's a little bit of a frightening story, but I'll tell it anyways, about the great Rav Yitzchak Hutner, who was the Rosh Hashiva in Chaim Berlin. And Rav Hutner, 
whose yard site, by the way, is this week, his 40th yard site is this week. Um, Rav learned in Slabotka, in the yeshiva in Europe, in Slabotka, and one time, a little bit of a dispute, the machlokas broke out among the members of the yeshiva, and the question was about learning midos from goyim, from non-Jewish people. And Rav himself was on the side saying we should not learn Midos from them because there was a different a Talmud another Talmud a different Talmud who went to Germany and he was very impressed with the Germans he was very impressed with the way that the Germans conducted themselves they're so polite they're so well mannered you go to Germany you talk to someone you ask someone something in the street they talk with such Derek Eretz such a beautiful thing he was so impressed with the Germans the way that they acted and he even said one of the amazing things is when you ask a German for directions, he doesn't just tell you, turn here, go there, and go this place. He'll say to you the words, Nishtvar. Is it not so? He'll say to you, turn to this, and, and these are the directions. Nishtvar. Is it not so? And the person, the Talmud, was impressed with the Germans. Rav Hortner vehemently argued, Rav Hortner was a Talmud, but he vehemently argued with the other Talmud, and said, no, all Midos must be learned from Amisara. So anyway, they had a little, little machlokas, and that was the end of that. But that wasn't the end of the story. Many years later, a Hutner was in Brooklyn in his yeshiva in Chaim Berlin. A man walked in, and there was this Talmud. And the man said that he'd gone through the wars, terrible suffering. And then he, he remembered him, and he was put out his hand to shake Shkim Shalom Aleichem. And Hutner realized the poor that man had no hand. He lost his hand. And he said that this when the German, when the Nazi, Yimach Shemam, Nazi was cutting my hand, he said to me, it hurts. Nishtvar? Is it not so? It hurts? Nishtvar? With the same polite look that they, the person gave me when I asked for directions. So you see how cruel and how um, corrupted some of the best things can become. This German thinks he's being polite, but you know, there's nothing there. There's, as Avram Avino said, in there's no fear of Hashem, there's nothing there, it has no substance, and even can lead to a, a person like the Germans we know, who turned into the worst barbarians, and they still went home that night, acting very, very polite and well-mannered, but yet, we know that if Hashem is not part of the picture, no Messorah means no base, no, you know, uh, um, foundation for this, and therefore it has no worth. Um, the Mishnah continues, Hey Mamru, they, the Anshin Hanasa the men of the Great Assembly, they said three important principles in order to um, to hold up the Misara, to keep the, the tradition, to keep it from not getting lost. There are three important things we have to do. Hey, Amr Shloshet they said three things. Have a Misunim Badin be patient or precise or deliberate in judgment. This is talking to, first of all, to judges. Somebody walks into the courtroom and there's a case to be judged. And you know, as a judge, that you had the same exact case last week, you know exactly what the halacha is. Take a step back and look carefully and make sure that you're right about that. Make sure it's 100%. That's as far as a judge goes. As far as the rest of us, if somebody um, has uh, another person, you see somebody doing something, you also be, be deliberate in judging him. Of course, this means also, we'll talk about it later in the, in the Mesechta. But for right now, it means be precise, be careful, don't assume. The second thing is the Hamidu Salmidim Harbei. You should have many, many Talmidim. If you want to 
spread the Mesorah. Teach as many people as possible everything that you've learned. Make sure to pass it on. Don't keep all your Torah in for yourself. Make sure to teach it to others. And finally, Vasu Siog La Torah. And make a fence around the Torah. That means that the Chachamim, the sages, make Gezerahs. They make decrees. They enact decrees to help us be careful about um, not making any mistakes in, 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 in anything, right? We're so careful about Shabbos. We don't just not write with the pen. We don't even touch the pen. Erev Pesach, the, the, the Zman Chametz, is in the middle of the day. We go back two hours. We start, we stop even earlier. We don't wait to the last minute. We're very, very careful. So, two little points about this. In order to keep the mystery going, you have to have a lot of Talmudim. There's a fascinating person. His name is Elio Essas. Rabbi Essas, who lives in Eretz Yisrael today, was the father of the Balchuva movement in Russia. Now, this is a time in Russia when it was illegal to practice religion, and you can get in a lot of trouble for teaching other people Torah and anything related. And he was the father of the Balchuva movement. Rabbi Essas himself did not see a word of Hebrew, see anything until he was 20 years old. And he became Rabbi Elio Essas in Russia under all the circumstances. He was himself was a brilliant person, a mathematician, who eventually also had lost his job for what he was doing, uh, and uh, was doing menial work, I think it was street cleaning, and he himself eventually got out of Russia, and he came to, uh, first he was in America, and then eventually he settled in Eritrea. Rabbi Essas wanted to spread the Messorah, he wanted to spread the Torah in Russia, under the most difficult circumstances. And therefore, in order to spread it as much as possible, he had a policy. When, he, when someone came to learn by him, he to teach somebody Torah, he would tell them, I'm teaching you on one condition. The condition is that whatever I teach you, you must go and teach other people. No matter what the risk is, you've got to go and teach other people. And tell them the same thing. They also must go teach others. And in this way, Rabbi Essas had Talmudim, and he had students who might, he was in Moscow, and there might be somebody in a faraway city of Leningrad or in the Ukraine, somebody very far away, who would say, I am a Talmud, I'm a student of Rabbi Eliezer even though he didn't know what Rabbi Eliezer even looked like, and Rabbi Eliezer also didn't know him. But yet, because of this chain of, of Messiah that Rabbi Eliezer put into place, many, many people learned under the most difficult circumstances. That's why Talmudim Harbei, which have many, many Talmudim. On the one last point, Vasu Siyog Latora, make a fence around the Torah. What does it mean by fence around the Torah? Make um, guardrails or uh, uh, protections that shouldn't come to violate the Torah. Say a marshal, I was in Eretz Yisrael and I was on a tour and we came to a, there's a long fence and the tour guide, his name was Rabbi Pesach Levi, he said, he said, you see this fence over there going all the way down? That's the fence for the Jordanian border in those days. This is about 30 years ago. And the Jordanian border actually there's actually two fences. If you look closely, you'll see there's two fences. Why do you need two fences by the border? He said, because one fence is charged with electricity. If someone goes near that fence, you know what's going to happen, right? If they touch the fence, they're, they're being in terrible danger of force. So they put up this fence and they charge it up with electricity that terrorists should not be able to cross into, into, into Israel. However, they put up a second fence. You can't have such a fence around. What if people walking by, children or anybody, didn't realize what this fence was, would go and touch it? They need to have a protection. And therefore, they would have 
the second fence. The second fence was a regular normal fence. You touch it, nothing happens. It's a beautiful lesson, a beautiful marshal that you can we can learn that when you have an Avera, you have something to, we, if we go against the Torah, we are so careful. We don't want to make any mistakes and therefore we make um, barriers. We make, like I said, on Pesach, we'll stop eating chametz a couple of hours early just in case. And of course, the bigger the Avera, the bigger the fence, or the more possibility might come to do that Avera. So, for example, by Pesach, since the whole year long, we're used to eating chametz, we're used to eating bread, therefore they had to do a even bigger fence. So that's the end of Perak Aleph, Mishnah Aleph, and um, Mitzvah Shem will continue next time.